Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Get outside and explore Chicago on a CAFC river cruise aboard Chicago's First Lady. Now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Called the number one boat tour in Chicago by TripAdvisor, CAC docents share the fascinating secrets and stories behind more than 50 famous buildings facing the Chicago River. Delight in panoramic views and hear how our hometown became world-renowned for its architecture. Book your tickets today at architecture.org. Hey, college students. Are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, July 10th is moments away. But before we do this, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. By the way, if you're listening to this show... We have over 500,000 downloads. And if you own a business, boy, we would love to sponsor it. That's right. Uh, just contact Tracy Bame at the Chicago Reader. And uh, I don't know, find the number for the Sun-Times and call someone there and uh, say, hey, I want to sponsor the Ben Jarofsky show. I'm not sure who you asked for. But uh, yeah, that'd be fantastic if you uh, became a sponsor. Well, I'll make a commercial. We'll do a Ben will do a live read. He loves live reads. But seriously, uh, I would love to add your business or union to this list. I am about to read The Ben Jarofsky Show for Friday, July 10th is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. That's correct. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's correct. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Let me tell you about voting by mail. It's pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit votemailchicago.com. That's votemailchicago.com dot com for call scripts and a petition one more time vote v-o-t-e mail m-a-i-l chicago c-h-i-c-h-e-o dot com to make sure that every voter in cook county has safe and equitable 
Polling. That's correct. Kick that AC on, Ben. Dude, it's hot in this attic. <laughs> How did you go from sharing stories over the years yeah. to deciding to write a book? Oh, good question, Mayor. Good question. Yeah. Horrible question. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> our song of the day, our request comes from Stephen. Anything from Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions? Oh, my God. Um, uh, people get ready. There's a train coming. Come on, Stephen. Join Woo! with me. Don't need no ticket. <laughs> People, get ready. The Ben Jarowski Show starts now. It is Friday, July 10th, and live from Ben's attic, this is The Ben Jarowski Show. Hey, Ben, six feet! <laughs> Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor, Ramana Hussein. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Cohen Going to Jail Friday. And here's why. First of all, let's give a shout out to the man who came up. Dr. D Kimo. We're going to call it Cohen going to jail. That's excellent. The Cohen in question, Michael Cohen, got thrown back in jail. You see this, D? I was talking about this yesterday briefly. Uh, it happened, I want to say, well, the story broke at about uh, 4 o'clock or something like that. And while I was interviewing Samina Mustafa, by the way, you can uh, hear that uh, this weekend. How about that, huh, D? Uh, this is pretty quick, uh, you know, tying one to the other. Uh, yeah, thank you. Welcome. Uh, that's a download, a bonus download. I was interviewing Samina and I saw it flashing across my screen. New York Times story, Michael Cohen uh, going back to jail as the headline reads, Trump fixer back in jail after clash over publishing a book. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to have to back up and give a little more uh, history and context to understand and appreciate this one. Wait uh, one second. Wait, hold on. Wait for it. Get in there, Cohen! <laughs> That's, I, I, I mean, I, that, I did it. <laughs> it's just the sound that makes me laugh. It's not, I didn't mean to, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at poor Michael Cohen's situation. Uh, but the, the sound makes me laugh. Shouldn't do that, all right? Damn, I'm trying to be serious. Cohen going to jail. He's in jail as we speak, unless there's a story breaking right now. Story breaking. Um, by the way, on a, on a tangent within a tangent within a tangent. I Get uh, ready for that podcast <laughs> coming from Ben Jarofsky very shortly. Tangent within a tangent. This is just something I meant to say. Um, Frank, you were right. Neil Gorsuch stunned me yesterday. His ruling in the case regarding uh, the Native American tribes in uh, Oklahoma, uh, that's, we're, I'm not going to discuss that today. I spent about an hour of my life. This is, okay, this is 101 of how not to podcast. I spent an hour of my life preparing to discuss a topic that I won't discuss today. How about that, D? That's bad. <laughs> bad uh, show prep. I was reading the rule. It's a fascinating ruling. I was talking to Jimmy Coogan. He's coming on Wednesday. He's, he's obsessed with it, too, Ace Attorney Jim Coogan. Uh, Neil Gorsuch ruled with the liberals, with the Democrats, on a case involving uh, tribal rights, Native American tribal rights in the state of Oklahoma. Fascinating case. And uh, essentially what the ruling said is that the state uh, court system does not uh, have jurisdiction on uh, lands that had been originally 
ceded to Native American tribes through contracts with the federal government. Fascinating. I, you know what, Frank? I got to give Gorsuch credit in this. This one, I have to give him credit. That BS yesterday with that 7-2 to ruling where, well, we'll get into that, where Trump's... Uh, the law says the president can't hide behind being the president and has to abide by his subpoenas, but he doesn't have to abide by this particular subpoena at this particular time. I'm not giving him credit for that one, but I have to give him credit for uh, the, uh, the the ruling in Oklahoma. So I had to get that out. That was a tangent within a tangent. Uh, by the way, BS stands for... Bullshit. 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 Throwback. 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 That would have been in February when Kim... We were in the studio. The pandemic was just coming, but people didn't realize it. Uh, I think this city's official line was, go out, go shop, go to restaurants. Don't believe this thing, you know? (laughs) Guys, come on. Yeah, Yeah, great. We talk about pre-show prep, great pre-pandemic prep. How about that? And then it turned into, hey, six feet or (laughs) get in there with Cohen. No, sorry, I didn't. Mean to belittle because what Cohen happened to Cohen was kind of uh, bogus. Anyway, all right. So uh, let's refresh your memory. Anybody forgot? Although I know my listeners know their stuff, so they didn't forget. Maybe there's some new listeners, D, who need this little primer. Anyway, uh, Cohen was Trump's uh, old lawyer. He was a classic fixer. He was the guy that Trump employed to do his dirty deeds, like with Stormy Daniels. Remember Stormy Daniels? She was the tripper that uh, Trump had a one night affair. One night affair. That's a Jerry Butler song. I'm tying everything together, D. Tying everything. One night affair. Love Jerry Butler. My favorite part is when you do the bass line after singing. (laughs) Uh, Actually, it was more like an afternoon delight. Afternoon delight. (laughs) One song, awesome. Two, cool. Three, maybe too many. I don't even know who sang Afternoon Delight, so I just know it's a really annoying song from the 70s. Um, Anyway, I think it was in the afternoon. Uh, They had a dalliance uh, in a motel room or a hotel room. I don't know where the dalliance was. It was somewhere. And uh, and then she was threatening to go public with it. And this was in... They were, um, this is in the eve of the 2016 presidential election, and even Trump figured, eh, it may not be a good idea to have this, uh, the story of uh, the dalliance uh, with the stripper going public right around the time he's running uh, for a presidency as the evangelicals' favorite candidate, D, as the guy that if you believe the Ten Commandments, Donald Trump's your guy, maybe not a good idea to have the story about his dalliance with the stripper coming out so uh, michael cohen typical cohen letting himself be you know the the bag man cut a deal with the uh, stormy daniels i forget how much money was exchanged she was supposed to shut up somehow or other she didn't shut up and uh anyway so um cohen uh was the guy who when it all said and done he went to jail so this is a a interesting uh, study case study on criminal justice in america all right so follow me on this one Uh, michael cohen did the payoff to protect donald trump who did the bad deed and somehow or other cohen goes to prison and donald trump goes to mar-a-lago to play golf all right d somehow or other this is fair now, I know what you're saying. Oh, my God. Every time I do something like this, all my liberal listeners, Ben, you don't understand. Okay, you don't understand how the system works, Ben. Okay? 
Which liberal? I'm just are all you liberals. Doing an of? Liberals in general, Ben. Okay. The the system does work. It, it, you have to understand. Sounds a little bit like Jacob Kaplan, but no, <laughs> no it's not J.K. I love J.K. Okay. Uh, you know they always explain to me how the system works. So the way the system works is, if you want to go after the big guy, you want to get the big fish, you got to get the little fish. So Cohen is the little fish. They get the little fish. You follow this, Ben? Yeah, I'm taking notes. <laughs> little fish. And then you squeeze the little fish. <laughs> That's the sound of a little fish getting squeezed. Right? I was wondering what that was. <laughs> you squeeze the little fish. And then with the little fish, you'll say, Trump made me do it. And then you, you use that to get the big fish. But you know what happens? All you end up more often than not is with the little fish. They never get the big, you ever notice that, D? Somehow or other, they're squeezing the little fish, and the big tuna is just. So that reminds me, all this talk, uh, do you want to go fishing this weekend? Come here, give me that thing. You're just making me hungry. I don't even like tuna fish, but uh, anyway, the big tuna is still fly- happening in Watergate, by the way. I forget how many, oh, God, ancient history, all my millennials. Oh, God, I hate it when he does that 70s stuff. Oh, my God, next thing you know, he's going to sing Hey Joe. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing Hey Joe. But in Watergate, all of Nixon's henchmen, or a whole bunch of them, went to prison, and somehow or other, Richard Nixon didn't go anywhere but to the beach. Yeah, they let him, when he was done with the, when he quit the White House, he got in a helicopter and flew to his beach house or his beach mansion and got uh, pardoned by Gerald Ford and never had to spend a day in prison. So the squeezing the little fish to get the big fish, uh, I don't know, D, uh, doesn't really uh, work uh, too often. So anyway, uh, so Michael Cohen, back to Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen was thrown in uh, to uh, prison. Uh, I think, well, what is it for? I think it was for he uh, lied to Congress or uh, falsely testifying under oath. That's generally how they get the little fish in prison. You know, the little fish at first are like, they think they're slick, so they're going to get out of it by telling a lie. Uh, then they use that lie against them to try to get them to testify against the big fish. And then they end up going to prison for lying because lying is terrible, even though we've elected a president who lies every freaking day. Have you ever seen the movie Big Fish? Big Fish, yes. Um, I did see the movie. That is... Uh, I could see it. Uh, who? I think Danny DeVito's in it. Yeah, that's Tim like, Burton. Is it a Tim Burton a, movie? It's like t- if he didn't direct it, it's a Tim Burton esque movie. Fantastical, magical realism. Anyway, so uh, back to uh, Michael Cohen and the lesson that he learned yesterday. So um, I want to say about two months ago, I've lost track of time. Uh, Michael Cohen was officially let out of prison. He's still serving his time. I think a three-year sentence. He's still serving his time. But the the powers that be decided that it was cruel and unusual punishment to keep Michael Cohen in prison uh, during the pandemic because at his age, with his health conditions, it amounted to sort of a death sentence if he were to get COVID-19. So they agreed out of compassion. How about that, D? Compassion. Compassion for the people who run the system, uh, our penal systems. I never would have thought compassion with penal system but in the case of michael cohen they said we're going to be compassionate and we're going to allow you to serve the rest of your sentence at home so he got to go home got to go to manhattan new york city that's where he's from that's where he lives and to serve out the rest of the remainder of his sentence which i think goes until like november of 2021 well yesterday uh, he was called in with, uh, to meet with probation officers, and I'm just going to let the New York Times uh, take it away uh, from here. I'm going to read you the account. They had one, two, three, four, five different reporters. Five. Rep- that was <laughs> excellent counting, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Ah, just 
Comme des Abbes. The Ben Jarofsky Show is produced by two people in an attic. The New York Times, this is not even a long story. Five people worked in this story, D. All right. So thank you, New York Times. Uh, And by the way, you're welcome, New York Times, for uh, propping up the whole system with my subscription. Anyway, here we go. Uh, Mr. Cohen, I'm reading from the New York Times, who was released from prison in May on a medical furlough, was stunned when probation officers asked him to sign a document that would have barred him from speaking to reporters or publishing a book during the rest of his sentence, his legal advisor said. Mr. Cohen believed the agreement violated his First Amendment rights. (laughs) Excuse me while I laugh. (laughs) You're a prisoner? In the penal system of the United States government, you think you have First Amendment rights? Come on, Cohen. You know better than that. What amendment was that again? First Amendment. Number one. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so uh, Mr. Cohen, believing the agreement violated his First Amendment rights, refused to sign it, uh, the advisor Lenny Davis said. Less than two hours later, federal marshals stepped out of an elevator with handcuffs and took Cohen back into custody. In a statement, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, uh, I'm sure that's a real compassionate outfit, uh, said that Mr. Cohen had been returned to jail after, quote, he refused the conditions of his home confinement. As part of his home confinement, I'm reading the New York Times story, probation officers asked Cohen on Thursday to agree to a long list of conditions, including a prohibition against speaking to reporters, posting on social media, and publishing any books. Mr. Cohen told the officers that he'd been talking to reporters while he was in prison. After Cohen refused to sign the agreement, the probation officers said they would try to work out a resolution. Mr. Cohen and another one of his lawyers waited about 90 minutes. Then three federal marshals appeared to arrest Cohen with no warning. At that point, Cohen relented and agreed to sign the document to avoid going back to jail. The marshals continued to take him into custody anyway, anyway, saying, quote, it's out of our hands. Wow. He was brought to a federal detention center in the city, according to two people briefed on his legal status. I don't know where they're holding him now. It doesn't specifically say. It may be, irony of ironies, the same federal detention center where uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, was held. And that place is no freaking joke. Uh, it is a, I'm not going to swear, D, asshole. Okay. There you go. I'm not Donald Trump. I can police myself. Anyway, so uh, I, you know... You're also not Donald Trump in that. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> the, the, um, this one really got to me. I, I, it's not that I feel sorry for Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen was Donald Trump's fixer. So Michael Cohen is not inherently a good man. But it kind of illustrates the way our justice system works. So on this, this article about Cohen getting thrown back into jail because he did not agree to sign, immediately did not agree to sign the confidentiality. By the way, they didn't say to him, either you sign this or go back to jail. It's not like they gave him a choice, according to Cohen. They say, if they said to Cohen, you either sign this or you go back to jail, I'm sure he would have signed it. But it was sort of like, you have to sign this. No, I don't want to sign this. Well, we're going to talk about it. And then, all right, you're going back to jail. <laughs> Wait a minute, you didn't give me the choice. Anyway, the story appears uh, in the newspapers the same day that the front pages of the paper are filled with articles exalting our system of government. The Supreme Court has ruled that Donald Trump is not above the law. That even though he's the President of the United States, he's not above the law. And he must abide by a a subpoena. 
issued by a lower court prosecutors in New York City to turn over his tax documents. It's the most important ruling the Supreme Court has ever made. You know, just approving. <laughs> like the, all of a sudden, the air conditioner went off. I'm like, does, does Trump know what I'm about to say? Are they coming after me? Uh-oh. <laughs> You're going to jail. Oh, they're patting themselves on the back. What a great ruling. Somehow or other, that great ruling does not force Donald Trump to turn over his tax documents. I talked about this yesterday. What a bogus sham ruling. Somehow or other, when they ordered him to turn over his documents, he didn't have to turn over his documents. Oh, oh my liberal listeners out there, I know the lecture's coming in. You understand. You know, it's got a lot of nuance. When we're... All I know is this. There was one set of rules for Michael Cohen. When he didn't sign that agreement, back to jail. And there was another set of rules for Donald Trump. When they said he had to abide by the subpoena, somehow or other, he didn't have to abide by the subpoena. So there's one set of rules that sends Michael Cohen back to jail. And there's another, another set of rules that sends Donald Trump back to Margo Lago. Michael Cohen got a hard lesson in criminal justice in America. We got a great show today, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hand me that bottle. <laughs> sorry for the mess. Uh, yeah. I'll clean it up after the show. I'm, I'm starting to feel sorry for Michael Cohen a little bit. I, I would have warned you, Michael Cohen, <clears throat> stay away from Trump. Just as I warned most of America to stay away from Trump. But they didn't listen to me either, do you? Anyway, we had a great show today. Ramon Hussein will be here. We're going to get talking about Tammy Duckworth with Ramon Hussein. We're going to talk about, uh, how do you put it, uh, uh, the duck and the tuck. That's yeah, yeah. Said. The duck and the tuck. Uh, we'll talk Trump's Mount Rushmore speech, the Harper letter. Oh, shit. Ramon has got a ton to say about that. I know a lot of you haven't been following that one. It's in the weeds a little bit. But plenty of discussion with Ramon Hussein about the issues of the day. Before we do that, the young man from Alton. Man, they call a doctor with the news. How's it going? All right. Before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon, we have to try our best to encourage all of you listening to download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Wish us luck, listeners. Uh, yes, it's true. It's damn true. Every Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, a brand new, never before heard Benny J bonus interview for you to download at both Chicago Sun Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Let's go through this weekend's lineup. And actually, we have a, uh, a bonus bonus. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's correct. We have one on Tuesday as well. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, we got to talk about Saturday. Our Saturday bonus interview is with our dear friend. And uh, may we advise that you turn the bass down a little <laughs> bit when you listen to this bonus interview because he's got a big booming voice. It's Jacobin Magazine's own Micah Utrecht. And uh, Micah has an interesting uh, story to tell us. Uh, our good friend Jay Marie sent this to me on Facebook. I saw it as well. Uh, he's going to be telling us a little story. Uh, Micah Utrecht, it's going to be available at 5 a.m. Ben, tell us a little bit about this interview. Uh, I'm doing my Micah imitation. Oh, no. Uh, Micah, yes. Jay Marie, thank you very much. Uh, I was watching a television show, and all of a sudden, my phone beep, 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 and it was Dr. D sending me a text. It was like, what, 1030 at night or something like that? Uh, it was, actually, no, D, I wasn't watching. I was sitting around the table drinking 
Holy Lord, keep that to yourself. I don't have a problem. I was just enjoying one drink, ladies and gentlemen. Really enjoying the delicious drink on a hot night. And uh, the doctor sent me uh, this Facebook message that he got from Jay Marie. Thank you, Jay Marie. Anyway, it uh, Micah, uh, J- uh, Jacobin editor, writer, a lefty, a big Bernie supporter, just wrote a book about Bernie Sanders. Huh. Uh, <laughs> was walking down the street and he saw Lori Lightfoot sitting at a table uh, at a restaurant out socially distanced people okay she was she was following the rules all right uh and he mentioned something about defunding the police to her and she said something back to him and anyway it's a interesting little story about uh lori lightfoot dealing with people on the uh sidewalks of chicago and i said you know what we haven't had mike on the show in a while let's get him on talk about what went down yeah, i believe then- micah said to lightfoot oh hey you need to defund the police <laughs> and lightfoot said not gonna happen mister <laughs> And then she said, my, my, you have a deep voice, grandma. Uh, anyway, that's a subtle inside joke that only, you know, people who remember uh, Little Red Riding Hood would get. Anyway, so um, plenty of conversation. We actually, I can't tell you what, what we talked about because, uh-oh, should I not give this away, D? No, give it away. Come on, we're trying to convince these people to download it. We haven't had the conversation yet. We're going to do that after today's show. All right, I don't know if that really worked, but yeah, yeah, it's going to be coming up after today's show. Ben's going to be talking with our good friend, Mikey Uterick from Jacobin Magazine. Uh, and Ben, before we move any further, I think uh, we have a, a new favorite uh, little feature on the Ben Jarofsky show. Brianna was wondering, hey, you didn't slap the desk. <laughs> Hit that desk, buddy. I- yeah, there we go. I didn't really do that with a lot because, you know, I don't know. People like it now. They like it. It's okay. now a thing. People get ready. Come on, everybody together. There's a train coming. Literally, there's one coming right now. All right. But you got to pay to get aboard that one. All right, so that's going to be on Saturday. Our good friend, Micah Uterich. It's going to be available at 5 a.m. on to Sunday. It's the return of a good friend of the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, she was known for her national political uh, commentary, and now she's back in the city of Chicago. It's Meredith Shiner. And, hey, we did this interview yeah, already. So, one. Ben, give them a preview of what they Excellent interview. Meredith knows uh, she's a genius when it comes to national politics. And we, we spent a, a good chunk of the... Uh, interview talking about how the Supreme Court is a political animal. And so we like analyzing the politics behind the ruling. I know, I know some of my liberal listeners, they really believe in the system, D. They really do. And I don't want to make fun of them. They Suckers. <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. Oh, ben, you don't understand. It's really a legitimate system. Somehow or other, a legitimate criminal justice system, just going to go on this tangent, tolerated White people smoking marijuana freely, openly in the parks, and black people getting thrown into jail for doing a deed. Somehow, other that happened for I don't. Know. Anyway, uh, so uh, Meredith really knows her stuff, and then we go we get into Susan. Oh my God, the Susan Collins part of that, Senator Susan Collins. Good stuff for Meredith. It's good stuff from Meredith, and it's good stuff from Ben Jarofsky. It's our Sunday Benny J bonus interview. Meredith Shiner, also available at 5 a.m. Have it for breakfast. (laughs) 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 On to Monday. Yes. Monday, another good friend returns to the program, and boy, she knows her stuff. Way smarter than this fella who just went to community college. Her name, Samina Mustafa, and she's the host of Hand Her the Mic, a political podcast. And we did this interview already. Ben, tell everybody. Talk these people into downloading right, let me it. tell you something about it. Samina. Samina is like a virtuoso. 
okay? She's like Jimi Hendrix on guitar. You just put her on stage, turn on the amp, let her go. So she was she was wanted to talk about white radicals and their quote, and I'm putting it in air quotes, white supremacy attitudes toward black people and people of color. And she was like Hendrix. <laughs> there's a red house over you took the words right out of my mouth that's exactly how she was you know yeah i know she went on a riff man i'm just like yeah go samina uh so good stuff from uh samina mustafa and uh that when we dropping that d that's gonna be on monday Monday. available at 5 a.m that was red house over yonder i don't know if there's anybody old enough out there in my listener land to uh, know that song but folks give yourself do yourself a favor. That is some good Jimi Hendrix. Okay. Now, usually, that's when our plugs for the weekend Benny J bonus interviews are over. But usually. we're taking Tuesday off. Uh, your old uh, buddy, producer Dennis, has some things to take care of. So we're <laughs> taking the day off. But we are doing an extra interview just for you. And uh, all together, everybody, reunited. <laughs> and it feels so good. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> It's Ben's former first Tuesday co-host, Mick Dumkey. Yeah. That's right, from ProPublica. He's going to be joining us for an interview as well. Now, we've yet to do this interview, but Ben, tell everybody what you plan on asking old uh, Mixter. Well, first of all, Mick's a hard guy to get a hold of, okay? Let me just say this. You know, he called Mick. I'm really busy, Ben. <laughs> Bob Dylan. Uh- <laughs> We did it uh, the last time Mick was on the show. We talked about Bob Dylan for a half hour. It's amazing how much uh, Mick Dumkey's one of my dearest friends. I love him dearly. And uh, so, you know, I'll call him to invite him on the show and he'll turn me down and then we'll have an hour conversation. I go, Mick, why couldn't we just have had this conversation on the. Ben, I'm really busy, okay? I'm uh, very important. Uh, but uh, I, you know. I know Mick and I, we're going to be talking national politics. We're going to probably take a deep local, uh, deep dive of local politics. I know I want to talk. Mick wrote a story, which I just, to this day, I'm all serious now. About 10 years ago, it was a story about uh, crime in Chicago and the impulse that so many Chicagoans have uh, to, and this is not just an impulse that black Chicagoans have. I'm going to make this one clear right now. Like any slight any kind of offense is like a deep-rooted offense and must be confronted immediately. Our, uh, lots of people in the city of Chicago have this attitude. But the problem is, is that so many people, they deal with these slights by shoot, taking out a gun and shooting. And Mick wrote a story about this, and it was really a call for... This is 10 years ago, ladies and gentlemen. It was a call for like different kind of intervention. You know, uh, more therapy for people. Talk things out. Open up clinics. And, uh, you know, like get, get people jobs so they, they have money, pay their basic bills. Maybe uh, they're tired at night from having worked. You know what I'm saying, D? I mean, it was just a, it was a great article just sort of laying out what a compassionate city would do to deal with uh, all the murder that happens. And, of course, all of it was ignored. <laughs> and still being ignored as far as I can see. So I got a feeling what we're going to bring that one out. It was a great article he wrote. Hey, we'll probably talk some politics, national politics. I know we'll talk Raylo and uh, we're going to, you know what, D? What? Mick's going to try to uh, duck and dodge in this one, but we're going to play him the uh, Raylo Lori Lightfoot confrontation, the full thing, all right? Oh. So get his thoughts on that. So plenty of political talk with the great Mick Dunk.
I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit, is what I think. I if you think oh, we no want offense, well, fuck you. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You me I'm full of shit. Whoa, whoa, Ray whoa. Ray. Come on now. Anyway, we'll play him the full one. That's just that. That's just the, you know, the greatest hit. But you have to do the setup where Ray Lowe, you know, goes on his spiel. I don't want to give too much away. So anyway. Jay Marie says, I love Ben and Mick together. Well, you better download uh, Tuesday's Benny J bonus interview. And shout out to Radio Doogie. He says, uh, you know, I can be a substitute producer. Thanks, Radio Doogie. But, dude, this is the only source of income I have. <laughs> So I uh, don't need you taking my job, pal. Love you to death, but <laughs> oh, I don't need you coming in. Tuesday. And oh man, Doogie's not that bad. Uh, Doctor Doogie with the news. Hey, see now, see that that sounds too good. Can't be doing that. But once again, people, it's this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and a special on Tuesday. Available at 5 a.m. each day. So cock-a-doodle download all of those. <laughs> did you just think of that? <laughs> yeah, I did it a few weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> but go download those at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Uh, live streamers, uh, if you want to really show your support for the program, go download those. I, we don't know how long you're going to listen. Just hit download and, hey, we got the number right there, all right? <laughs> all right, all right. No, no, you got to listen because there's a test. Okay, there's going to be a test. All right, there will be a test. I'll I'll work that up over the weekend. All right, local news. Let's do this like Brutus, because you notice like Otis. You like that? Yeah, it was stupid. All right. First up, no public events scheduled for our Illinois Governor, J.B. Pritzker. I'm not a perfect person. We okay. know. Ben, any ideas as to what our governor is up to this afternoon? On, My man. guess? Yeah. Swimming. Yep. Uh-oh. Cannonball. Whoa, Pritzker. You got me all wet. Uh, I know if he's swimming, it's not in Lake Michigan because he's going to abide by uh, Maryland. Unless it's in Evanston, D. You know, you can swim in Evanston, huh. but you can't swim in Chicago. Ugh, confused. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, so what's he up to? What do you think he's up to today? Come on, man. You know what he's doing. He's listening to our show. Oh, yeah. I bet he loved that cannonball bit we did there. Yeah. He, I think he's got a like a pen name he uses. He's on the Facebook Lives, you know, he's writing stuff in. He's a pen name, D. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder so, what his pen name is. Oh, wait. Pritzker, are you Radio Doogie? <laughs> Pritzker. So not much really going on with the governor this afternoon, but we do have some news to mention that involves our Democratic Illinois House Speaker. Yes, it's Speaker Michael J. Madigan. The following comes from, well, our favorite, WBEZ, and one Tony Arnold. Ben, do we know anything about Tony Arnold? Yeah, I, well, I've never met Tony Arnold, but Tony Ar Arnold is... Um, partner in crime just blanked he did the the blagojevich wasn't he the guy, one of the guys who did the blagojevich story ah i uh, believe so yeah so uh but i don't believe i've ever met tony arnold so hey let's change that tony arnold you listening be a guest on the show we'd love to have you ben wants to meet you <laughs> All right, so this comes from WBEZ and Tony Arnold. Speaker Michael Madigan announced on Thursday that he wants to remove a portrait and two statues from the Illinois State Capitol. Madigan wrote that he recently learned of the, quote, disturbing past of Stephen Douglas, the former <laughs> Illinois U.S. Senator who famously debated Abraham Lincoln. Hey, better extremely and absurdly late than never is what I always say. <laughs> absolutely. Seriously, absolutely. Dude, you just found you out just, about this? Wait a minute, hold on. The guy's a racist? Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. Get you. No, 
Why didn't anybody tell me about this? He writes in a statement that after reading the book, All the Powers of Earth, he asked staff to research whether Douglas owned slaves in Mississippi. A portrait of Douglas currently hangs in the chambers of the Illinois House of Representatives, and a statue of the Democratic senator also stands on the Capitol grounds. Madigan intends to cover the portrait until House members vote later this year on whether to remove it. He suggests replacing the Douglas portrait with one of President Barack Obama, <laughs> who was also Sorry, an bro. Illinois state senator. Yes, he was. Uh, we have a quote from Madigan, and no, it isn't about his thoughts on Zoom. <laughs> Besides, we all know he hates it. Uh, Madigan said in a letter, quote, and uh, let's see here, memorializing people in a time that allowed slavery and fostered bigotry and oppression has no place in the Illinois House where the work of all Illinoisans is conducted. We can only move forward in creating a more just world when these symbols of hate are removed from our everyday lives. Ben Jarofsky, we now go to you. Question. I mean, thank you, Michael Madigan. But. How much does this gesture actually mean for Madigan when it comes from a guy who has had the power to enforce actual change since the 1970s and still has said power to enforce said change in Illinois' present and future? I'll tell you what, for a guy who says he has no politics, for a guy who says, I'm just a radio producer, sure looks like you've developed some politics, young Dennis. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say the underlying assumption of the question that you phrased and the way you phrased it is actually screaming from the rooftop, you're a fake and a fraud. Okay, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> I worded it in a way where I didn't have to say that. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Folks, if you're out there and you want to learn how to do this business and you want to say something without really saying it, what you do is you say it the way the doctor did. Masterfully done, young man. Yeah, we all know that Michael Madigan uh, probably knew about Stephen Douglas's past before he read some book about a week ago. We all know that. Well, our friend Veer and DB on the live stream chat asked, wait, wasn't Madigan there at the time? <laughs> oh, <laughs> really old guys. All right, you know, that's ageism, all right? And as another old guy, I'm going to stick up for Michael Joseph Madigan, okay? That's not fair, but it's pretty funny. Um, so, I, you know, uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble here. Well, it's not the first time. But I think, uh, although in general, I'm completely supportive of taking down the statues and uh, portraits of racists and slave owners, I don't believe we should completely bury our history and pretend like we're so much better now than we were then. You know what I'm saying? Like, things that went down then are connected to things that are going down now, and I believe that we have a responsibility in terms of the change, the overall change, uh, that we want to create to learn from the past. So, you know, it's, I've, I've used this analogy in the past when, with, with the Baseball Hall of Fame. I can't remember who I had this conversation. Maybe Andrew Schneider. And the Baseball Hall of Fame, like if a baseball person does something that violates their rule or protocol, they won't put them in the Hall of Fame. So it's like it didn't exist. You know, like Pete Rose, greatest hitters of all time in baseball, got more base hits than anyone else is not in the Hall of Fame because he gambled on uh, games that his team was playing in. So they, they pretend he doesn't exist. Well, how are you going to pretend that the greatest hitter in the history of baseball didn't exist? Well, that's what we're going to do. So you take Stephen Douglas uh, off the, the walls in the Statehouse, you're pretending that a very significant 
chapter in American history didn't exist. And that was that chapter in the 1850s, I'm going to boil it down to this, where people like Stephen Douglas were trying to accommodate the South on slavery. So they were trying to avoid a civil war by accommodating the South. So there were things like uh, fugitive slave law, which is one of the most despicable acts in the history of the United States. They passed that to appease the South. So in other words, if a, a slave escaped from the South and went to the North, uh, he or she could not claim freedom because the law that the Congress passed enabled uh, the uh, plantation owner to go to the North and bring the slave back to bondage. So this, this movement, this effort to appease the South on the issue of slavery is not something we should ignore. I think we can learn lessons from it, from about how, like even today, we're always appeasing the right. Now, I'm not saying, oh God, here come, I'm not saying that like an issue like uh, abortion rights or the environment is as significant as slavery. I'm just saying it's just a principle, uh, it's sort of the same principle, the notion of appeasement you know, throwing your basic principles away in order to avoid a conflict or uh, confrontation. And so I, I think that should be part of our history. So if we take Stephen Douglas off, his portrait off the Capitol, are we then just burying that past, D? We're never gonna study it, never gonna talk about it, never gonna try to learn from it? That's a danger. I'm just throwing that out there, it's a danger. So I want his picture down. In, ge in general, man, going to, Springfield, I don't know. I, I was. You ever been to Springfield, D? Oh yeah, been a few times. You ever been in the uh, Capitol building? Oh no, it's very stuffy, and you know, I. Uh, so I don't take them all down. Take all the pictures. I, 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 Our friend Stephen on the live stream chat. What's happened, Stephen? He says this is a bad take. He says it's not about erasing history. It's about not valorizing awful people. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a valid point. So it's a it's a struggle. It's a challenge. I'm with you 100. percent you don't want to uh, glorify or valorize, good word, by the way, uh, someone who was a slave owner, or, you know, someone who was a racist. Absolutely. But y you shouldn't bury the history. So it's got to be a way of, of doing both. Uh, and, uh, yeah, take them down. I take the, I, I'd say take the portrait down. But don't pretend, you know, like that somehow or other that chapter in American history didn't exist because you take the, the portrait down. That's the point I'm making. Yeah, or like, you know, you do something, uh, you know, that about the, the past, maybe do something for the future and present at the same time. I don't know. Whoa. You mean like pass rent control bill? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something Whoa. like that. You know what I mean? You mean pass TIF reform so poor neighborhoods get some of the benefits that wealthy ones do? That's correct. Whoa. You mean pass a bill that makes wealthier people um, pay more in taxes as opposed to squeezing people with parking fees and that kind of thing, Dave? Yeah, something like that, about? right? Whoa, blowing my mind, man. You mean we can't just get away with condemning Stephen Douglas and pretending we've done our job? Is that what you're trying to tell me, D? And Stephen also says part of our history is Stephen Douglas doesn't deserve to be instated in a place of honor. I agree with him. I agree with everything he's saying. Just don't think we should ignore our history. That's what I'm saying. All right, so that's all uh, the statewide news I really have for today. So let's move on to the city of Chicago. No public events scheduled for our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. I want to say a special word about our bars and restaurants. I cannot make this any plainer. We simply cannot have any large gatherings like we saw last weekend in our bars and restaurants. 
on a car early, call earlier today, I think there were several hundred people that were on, I made it very plain to bar and restaurant owners this. This is a make or break weekend for you. Your financial fate is in your hands. Abide by the rules or unfortunately, you're gonna suffer the consequences. And we're not playing with this. Heard a lot of complaints. Mayor, it's so difficult. Mayor this, Mayor that, all <laughs> kinds of excuses. It's on you. Business owners, your fate is in your hands. I don't wanna have to shut you down, but if you make me, I will. I'm going to shut you down. <laughs> she loves saying that. You notice that, D? I'm going to shut you down. All right. So, uh, like I said, no public events scheduled for Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. But do not worry. We have plenty of Mayor Lightfoot and Chicago news to discuss. And the following comes from Crane's Chicago Business Magazine. And no, not Greg Hines. So, Ben, for the love of God, I'm literally <laughs> this close to finally getting that Greg Hines interview on the program. So, please do not insult this man and his poker playing skills. Okay, by a fantastic poker player. Hold on, let me call the article up. Cranes, you say? Uh-oh, paywall just went down. <laughs> Cranes not playing? I don't blame you, Cranes. Paywall. God, I got hit by the paywall. So, no, this is not. How did you get through the paywall? I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. Uh, there's just times where I go, okay, no paywall, no paywall. All right. <laughs> big money, big money, no whammies. And I got it. Like, yes. And I just copied and pasted that I bad think, boy. You know what? I think Cranes likes you better than they like me. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, I don't insult the, one of their writers for his excellent I, poker know, playing skills. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying we shouldn't rewrite history, okay? And the guy, Greg Hines, outstanding reporter, but, you know, when it comes to poker, he doesn't know when to hold him and doesn't know when to fold him. Uh, I'm just not, saying I that. hope he's not listening. All right, this is from A.D. Quigg. And this is all about those events that have been canceled this summer due to that damn dirty coronavirus. Mayor Lori Lightfoot put a price tag on canceled events in Chicago since COVID-19 struck. And that price tag, $900 million. That's correct. The Metropolitan Pier and Exposition Authority, the agency that runs McCormick Place, estimated the economic impact in lost hotel stays, restaurants, taxi tabs, and related spending for the now-canceled International Manufacturing Technology Show was $247 million. An economic impact report prepared for Ben's favorite, absolute favorite. He's so bummed out he can't go to this. Lollapalooza. And an economic impact report prepared for Lollapalooza last year said it created 2,494 jobs in 2019 alone with a similar $247 million impact. Don't get Ben going about the Arctic monkeys. All right. Lightfoot said, Lightfoot said the cancellations have been a, quote, tremendous blow but commended MPEA CEO Loretta Clark, World Business Chicago's Andrea Zopp, Choose Chicago's David Whitaker, and the city's chief marketing officer, Michael uh, Fastnot, sorry if you're listening and I mispronounced that one, uh, for re-imaging, quote, what tourism and convention business will look like given the new normal. I think we've got some creative things in store, says Mayor Lightfoot. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts. That's a classic Cranes article, you know, uh, bad, a little bad news. and they, I mean, they are uh, journalists. But then, you know, a little good news. <laughs> our leaders are on top of things. The people who run our city are brilliant. 
Uh, so yeah, obviously the um, it's a huge loss to our tourist industry and our convention industry because people aren't coming to the city of Chicago. But rest assured, Chicagoans, the people that run the city are brilliant and they're looking out for your best interests. So you can go to sleep tonight, sleep sleep soundly, because you know your leaders are watching out for you. That's the same. Those are the same leaders that try to get us to to buy the uh, the Olympics, D. <laughs> Oh, no, here he goes again. Here he goes again. Go, Ben, go. He's going to do that lefty stuff. Oh, good. That's why he stuck you in an attic. That's where we put lefties. Give us that great hippie content. That hippie content. The great leaders of Chicago are the ones who sold you on the parking meter deal and sold you on the Olympics and sold you on Mayor Rahm and sold you on having NATO come to Chicago so we could turn it into an armed camp. Oh, what a great economic development idea that was. But rest assured, folks, the leaders of Chicago are looking out for you. So I feel good, D. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Feel, uh, oh, let's hear it. Let's I just hear felt it. the James Brown song. I feel good. Sorry. Hey, and uh, you know, uh, way to go, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, you you did this here, and you didn't try to blame people who live in Chicago. So, hey, that's that, we're improving. No, we one. will shut you down. <laughs> we will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you, and we will take you to jail. Oh my God. You're going to put you in a cell with Michael Cohen, all right? You go swimming off those rocks, you're going to be right in there with Michael Cohen. Yes, and today's show brought to you by the Prison Bar Sound Effect. <laughs> Done it like 20 times already. Didn't it? Wait, hold on, I got an email. Let me look here. Oh, Ben, it's Greg Hines. Oh. He says he's listened to, today, to today's show. Yeah? And he canceled the interview. <laughs> Damn it! That's a great gag. I love that gag. Gag? <laughs> We've been doing it's it for- real! Oh, damn. I can't even read them anymore because of the paywall. <laughs> if I crack that paywall, you know where I'll end up, D? Right next to Cohen in that jail. So get in that. All right. We want to uh, do one more story here before we roll out and mm. take a break, play some Michael Girardi and talk to Ramana Hussein of the Chicago Sun-Times. Okay. The following comes from Block Club Chicago and Kelly Bauer. Mm-hmm. The headline reads, Bars Restaurants selling alcohol have to close at midnight, Mm. city says. Bars, restaurants, and other places that serve alcohol are now required to close at midnight. The new rule, quietly announced by the city in a Friday morning press conference this morning, is effective immediately. It applies to any establishment that serves alcohol for on-premises consumption. Bars, restaurants, breweries, and other spots are already prohibited from selling alcohol for on-site drinking after 11 p.m. under coronavirus restrictions. But prior to the change, they'd been allowed to stay open open after stopping liquor sales. The change is meant to prevent the spread of coronavirus, according to the city. Uh, We have a quote here from a press release. It says, this directive will minimize the spread of COVID-19 by preventing late night congregating that could occur Uh, after the cutoff of alcohol sales. uh, Bars and restaurants can still offer curbside pickup or delivery or food after midnight, but customers cannot be allowed to enter the business, according to the city. Restaurants that don't have a liquor license can stay open after midnight. Yes, all three of you. What restaurants open after midnight? In Chicago, man, what a sleepy little town. Well, we're tired. We're going to bed. I mean, I'm, I'm always back in the day when 
I was prowling late at night. Dude. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I have my issues with sleeping, so I'm uh, a late night person. So I look at places that would be open late. There are a couple in my neighborhood, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I was really f- trying to struggle, struggling to follow you there, D. You know, I have my issues, uh, dyslexia and everywhere. And, you know, he started doing the different hours. I'm like, oh my God, wait, I got to keep that Numbers. hour straight. And, no, no. He's no damn best. Trust me. <laughs> don't Biss. Biss would have followed that one. Oh, yes, I understand everything you're saying immediately. Um, but uh, so, okay, if I understand this, I'm following the logic here that if you're in a bar and they don't serve food, and they closed down the bar at 11. In the old days, before today, the quiet announcement. I don't like the quiet announcement. But I don't know. Is any announcement loud? Like, there's some, some announcement, Lord Lightfoot on the street. We're closing. Well, I guess there are the ones that I'm going to shut you down. I guess that's a loud We will announcement. shut you down. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so at 11 o'clock, follow me in this, everybody. And all you out-of-town listeners, follow it, too. There's going to be a test on this. I saw there was a lot of listeners in Oklahoma. All right, I'm out. You're kidding me. No. And Kentucky. We got a ton of listeners. All right. Uh, I like that Benja Rossi. <laughs> People in Kentucky, follow me on this, all right? So if I'm understanding you correctly, this is a real test of my ability to follow things. So if you're in a bar, they stop serving at 11. Under the old rules, the rules that existed before today, you could sit at the bar counter and chat with your friend about the bulls or politics or whatever you wanted to chat about. Until midnight, at which point the bartender would say, Hotel, motel, no tell. Just get out of here. Like that, D? Anyway. Yeah. I uh, got that from the guy at Carol's, an old bar he used to go to. Anyway, so, uh, but now. Off Clark and Leland? Carol? Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, so, uh, hotel, motel, no tell. Just get out of here. I think that may be our one listener from Oklahoma. <laughs> uh <laughs> So, but now you just have to leave at 11, just boom, that's it, out. You can't sit at the bar for an hour just talking about the bulls. Is that what you're telling me, D? Mm-hmm. Is that the rule? Mm-hmm. So why is it any different? Why, why is sitting at a bar talking to the bulls, if you're not drinking, somehow more dangerous than sitting at a restaurant talking about the bulls? Beats me. Well, you're the guy that read the news. Yeah, it sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> this is what they teach you in journalism school, folks. All you got to do is read the news. You know, you just throw the slop at people and they eat it up. You don't have to explain it to them. And in the news. Yeah, you're messing up the process here. I pitch it to you and you knock it out of the park. Uh, I right? see. News readers. And in the news, uh, the mayor of Chicago. That's how the show works. I pitch it to you. <laughs> And you knock it out there. Uh, well, I'm not just speaking about you in general. That's how news... Well, the city, you know, instituted a new rule. And we're going live to Billy Bob at City Hall. Charlie, thank you. Here I am outside of City Hall where a new rule has been instituted. Now you have to leave the bar at 11. You can't sit around till midnight. We asked Lori Lightfoot about this. I'll leave it to the pros, buddy. <laughs> hey, isn't that how they do it, D? That's how you do the news. So, like, I'd be sitting there listening. Wait a minute, I don't get it. Why? Why is it safer in a restaurant? I'm sure there's a reason. Like, maybe you're, if you're drunk at a bar, you could like, Ugh, I'm drunk. I ain't gonna slobber all over you. Where if you're in a restaurant, you're 
Maybe you're drunk in a restaurant. Do you? I don't know. I don't get the rule. Sorry. I flunked again. That's why I did so bad in the SATs. That and the fact that I don't know a lot of words. But I'd be like, oh, I could see the answer being A, but then again, it could be B. C is a candidate as well. Oh, I'm all messed up. Let's go home. All right. And that's our local news for the day, everybody. Shout out to our good friend, Stephen. We always appreciate you, man. He uh, let us know some restaurants that go uh, a little after midnight. Which one? Twisted Spoke. Oh, yeah. Twisted Spoke. I've been to Twisted Spoke. Yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah. It, it's that far from the uh, the old studio, our beloved Suntime studio. In fact, I would sometimes ride my bike past it. Ah, the good old days. Yeah, yes. Memories <laughs> like the corners of our mother. White Castle uh, and Stony Hub or Stony Sub never close. White Castle never close. That was close. from David. What's going on, David? And uh, yeah, we appreciate everybody. Live stream chat. Feel free to weigh in. And remember, download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews available at 5 a.m. tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Let me read the lineup for you one more time here. Micah Utrecht on Saturday. Meredith Shiner on Sunday. Samina Mustafa on Monday. And yes, reunited, and it feels so good. <laughs> ProPublica's Mick Dumkey on Tuesday. Both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Ben, anything you'd like to mention before I do this outro? Uh, no, I'm going to let you do your outro because I'm looking at the clock and, you know. Fantastic. I'm being professional now, D. It's the new me. All right. I give, you till, I give you till Thursday on that one. All right, everybody. Coming up after this short little break, we're going to be talking with our dear friend from the Chicago Sun-Times. She's the editor. Her name's Ramana Hussain, and it's another Ramana Rundown. Don't go anywhere, people. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We're live from Ben's Attic. And what do you say we play a little Michael Girardi? We can't thank this dude enough for uh, making these Ben Jarofsky Show exclusive songs. Uh, earlier, we heard a new low. Then we heard... I believe bailout. Let's hear tax increment financing. Mm. It's the Ben Jarofsky show live from Ben's Adam. That's correct.
Discover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody. Let me tell you about voting by mail pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed, particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So, visit VoteMailChicago.com. That's VoteMailChicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct.
Ben, I didn't know you had shoes with goldfish in them. Boy, he loves disco. Hey, everybody, we're back. Uh, I do love disco. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, all right, it's time for Ben's favorite part of the day. Oh, yeah. Where we call our guests. <sighs> it's so Steven's favorite part of the show, too. Where we call our guests live on the air. It's another Ramana rundown with sometimes editor Ramana Hussein. Will it work? Will it not work? One ringy dingy. Oh? Ramana, it works. Happy Wednesday. How are you guys? Excellent face mask. Yes. Good. Friday. It's, did I, what did I say, Wednesday? Oh, yeah. my God, Ramana. It's age <laughs> catching up to me. I've lost track of time. Uh, I've said this already. I'm going to say it again. This is a twofer for the Ben Jarofsky Show. We've got the whole family coming on. So we're, we're interviewing Ramana right now at 2 o'clock. And then later today... Mick Dumpke uh, returns. It's been a while since Mick's been on the show. So we're going to refrain from th- throwing Mick under the bus. Okay, Ramana, for this particular... That's fine. That's okay. fine. That's I, I was going to say, are you guys going to be talking about Bob Dylan again? <laughs> <laughs> touche! Touche! We are going to refrain from talking about Bob Dylan. We're going to prove to the world, Ramana, that Mick Dumpke and Ben Jarofsky can talk about things other than Bob Dylan. Ramana Hussein is, of course, an editor columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. She comes on our show every Friday uh, and has, well, not every, literally every Friday, but almost every Friday, uh, as she has since we began the show back in uh, 2019. So uh, I've already promoted, Ramana, some of the topics that we have, and uh, we haven't discussed this on the air, so let's talk about this right now. Uh, Senator Tammy Duckworth, it's the front-page story. Uh, in the bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times. Here's the quote from uh, Lynn Sweet's column. Quote, these titanium legs don't buckle. Sammy, uh, Sammy, Senator Tammy Duckworth uh, was assaulted uh, by uh, Tucker Carlson and then Donnie Trump joined in. Give us your general thoughts about this. Uh, Why Tucker Carlson and the right and the Donald Trump right are picking on Tammy Duckworth? Um, You know, because he doesn't, I mean, from my perspective, they're attacking her because she doesn't think the way they do. And then she's this she is someone who served in the military and has talked about her record in the military. And they just can't stand that someone that doesn't think like them served in the military and probably did more than they did and is, you know, a patriot in many ways. But, you know, they can't handle the fact that she doesn't think like they do and probably doesn't vote in Donald Trump's interest. So, you know, she, I don't know. There's also this other quote, that full quote from uh, Lynn Sweet's column that said, attack from self-serving, insecure men who can't tell the difference between patriotism and hateful nationalism. She said, uh, you know, she's not worried about them. She's like, we're just pointing out that these are the type of guys that are attacking her. So she had this column in the New York Times, I think, on Thursday. And then she basically talks about, you know, she talks about these guys going after her and, you know, Tucker Carlson was on TV. He was he's apparently angry because she's on the short list of Joe Biden's um, VP, you know, selection. And he had you know, he called her many different things. He called her a moron. He called her silly, unimpressive, coward, callous. Hack. And then there was one point in his show on Fox News. I'm not someone that watches Fox News, as you can tell. As on a regular basis, but apparently there was a picture of, um, he put up, there was a picture of Tammy Duck, Duckworth and a black politician, I think, that came up, and then he said something about, quote, preserving the nation and culture. So, you know, that kind of speaks 
or kind of harkens, uh, you know, this sort of racist sort of, uh, you know, thinking because she doesn't look like us, you know, I, she doesn't look white that, you know, she's, she's taking away from what our culture is. She's keeping from America being great again. And, you know, Donald Trump has obviously, has obviously attacked her too. So I think it's because, I think it's just a mixture of the fact that she doesn't think like Donald Trump or think like, you know, one of his supporters and she thinks for herself. And it's, it's usually against what Donald Trump is saying. And because, you know, the right has always talked about the military. They're the ones who always talk about the military and why it's important to, you know, I feel like they take that part of that culture and think that's there. So I think that's like an extra jab to these guys. And so it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. So I think those attacks, especially the ones that I've seen from Tucker Carlson in recent days, is something that, you know, she, that needs to be spoken about and at least for her to speak about. I didn't know that much about the Tucker Carlson comments because I just heard that there were, there were some sort of back and forth with them. But I didn't know the things that he said. And I think it's, I think it's good that she was able to, you know, go out there and speak out, you know, for herself. And, you know, this is someone who lost her leg while she was in Iraq in 2004 when I think the helicopter that she was in crashed. So, you know, she did give up. You know, she made a sacrifice, you know, if you want to talk about giving a sacrifice. So I don't know. I don't know if it's because, you know, she's a person of color who doesn't think like these guys and she's someone who served in the military and actually did give up something. You know, she has something to show for her military service. So it's a combination of that. You just kind of see that. Um, and then the fact that, you know, there's a possibility she could be vice president, um, it probably gets under these guys' skin. Well, it, it brought back memories of the 2004 presidential campaign where John Kerry was the Democratic nominee uh, and John Kerry had served in Vietnam, uh, and he was running against George W. Bush, who had not served in Vietnam and had been part of the Texas National Guard. Uh, and uh, so in order to, this is so insane, our, our politics in our country, in order to neutralize what would be perceived as an advantage for Kerry because he had served, even though the vast majority of people in our country chose not to serve during the Vietnam War, uh, and to neutralize that, uh, the, the right attacked um, John, Curry, John uh, Kerry's war service, and so that he was on the defensive as opposed to Bush, a very bizarre uh, bit of political jujitsu. I got a feeling on some level... A similar thing is happening because you're absolutely correct. Tammy Duckworth served, and Tammy Duckworth uh, sacrificed a great deal uh, through that service uh, in a way that uh, Tucker Carlson and Donnie Trump, Donald Trump, remember what was it? Was his his toe hurt? I can't remember what his excuse was for not being in the military arches or something. I I really can't remember what excuse he had. I get him mixed up with Rush Limbaugh and his excuses too, uh, and uh, Dick Cheney's excuses. But so Tammy Duckworth served. So maybe what they're trying to do uh, is to neutralize an advantage that Tammy Duckworth uh, has uh, with because maybe there maybe there are polls show uh, Ramana that. Tammy Duckworth would be a very formidable vice presidential choice for Joe Biden. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think for a lot of people, I don't know if necessarily for myself or people that I grew up, that the military service is what is going to make you vote for someone. But I think it is for a lot of people. And I think that's why, you know, her, the fact that she's being posed as someone on the short list is definitely getting under their skin and someone that serves. So I do agree with you. 
for sure. I forgot about the whole John Kerry debacle. What was that called again? I forgot. Swift boating. Like, swift yeah, boating. Swift boating. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember there was a term that was used. So yeah, I, th- I definitely think the same thing's happening here. Uh, and do you think it will be successful? Uh, do you think that? Uh, this would resonate with this kind of attack. Uh, Tammy Duckworth's character would resonate with voters, or do you think this is an example of something that will work against the interest of Donald Trump because most people would find it offensive? What's your general thoughts of that? Well, I mean, it depends on what sides they're talking about, right? I think most people who are Democrats would uh, find it offensive. I don't know if anybody on the right would. But I don't know. I, I don't know. This is between what I think. I could, like, I'm not like this political pundit, but I don't necessarily think that Tammy Duckworth is going to be the final choice for Joe Biden. That's what I think. I think he has, I think there I think he is going to lead towards or I would think that his uh, team would tell him that he that there would be a vice president who is an African-American female. That's that's what I think. I think it's going to be Kamala Harris. Who's, who's, you know, she's part South Asian too, but she's, she is definitely, um, you know, she's Jamaican American too. So I, I'm just saying that if I had to put my money on it, I would put my money on Kamala Harris. But I do think that, you know, I think this slurs against or like these like attacks against Tammy Duckworth is putting her, it's, it's helping her, I think, in a way. I think it's, put, you know, getting her name out there. And, and I'm not saying in a good way, but I think people are learning more about her, people across the country. And they probably don't necessarily agree with all the attacks. Some people, at least. You on uh, the left. If, uh, oh, that's a whole other issue, Tammy Duckworth and the left. Because Tammy Duckworth is just, uh, she's not, she's a centrist. So Yeah, le- yeah. And lefties, I was going to say, yeah. you know, She's not necessarily someone that everybody on the left would be pushing for. You know, I don't think they would think that she was, you know, left enough. So I think this, but with this question, I think it's just the attack on her personally, like whether it's fair or not. And, and, and the way that they're going at it, whether that's fair or not. So whether she's a viable candidate or she's, you know, left enough, especially for a lot of the Bernie Sanders voters, that's definitely a question. And I, like I said, I don't think, that she's going to be the um, in the end. And, you know, Kamala Harris isn't considered this big lefty either. But I just think that she's probably going to be the one that Joe Biden is going to be in the end. No, uh, my beloved Bernie Sanders uh, friends are holding their nose <laughs> for all these people. Uh, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, but now Kamala Harris is interesting. You said something, and as soon as you said it, I, I just had this flash. You, Kamala Harris, um, yes. She, uh, her father, I believe, is Jamaican and her mother is uh, Indian American. And you watch if she is the nominee, and I think you're right. I think you and I are both going to go to Vegas and put the money down on her. I do believe that's what I've been thinking. uh, I think he's going to pick her. You watch the Republican Tucker Carlson's, and they're going to start saying she's not really black. You're going to see that. Yeah. You're going to see that campaign from the Tucker Carlson's of the world and the other operatives for Trump. Oh, of course. Of course. And, you know, she was mostly raised, you know, she's pretty much estranged from her father. So she was raised by her um, mother who's from South India. So she is very, you know, they're probably, you know, get pictures of her in India, you know, wearing sari and, you know, point her as picture her as just like you know she's not black and she's just like foreign woman so i'm definitely waiting to see that i mean that gets, that gets done with anybody who's not necessarily a, a wasp i guess you would say 
Yeah, I uh, I know. And what, now let me ask you before we leave uh, this topic. Um, do you think that there would be a backlash against an Indian American vice president? Um, you know, there's candidate? been some. Um, I think so. I mean, I know there's been some articles written about. Um, you know, I know Indian Americans have been criticized because I told you <laughs> Donald Trump has like the largest number of you know the largest minority representative group in Donald Trump's. Uh, you know, cabinet or a lot of people work for him are South Asians. So, you know, South Asians, there have been like articles written about, you know, her Indian side, whether she talks enough about it or whether she talks, you know, and I've seen, I've seen articles written by African-Americans who say, you know, that, you know, is she, is she, is she black enough? There's, there's, there's commentary, I think on all angles. So I think it definitely will come out. Her racial heritage will come out for sure. Because, you know, she does, I mean, I knew, when I first heard of her, I, the first name that she had, it's a, it's a Indian name. And it's a, it's a name that's popular, you know, within, it's a, it's just a female name used by people who are in the Hindu community. So I was like, oh, I wonder if she's like, that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, she must be part South Asian or she has parents who are really into like Indian culture. And, you know, it turns out her mom is uh, Indian and she, she definitely talks about her Indian culture. She's. She's talked about going back to India and spending time with her grandparents. So I don't know. I just think I think she has a fascinating story. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think the left really is endeared to her. But I, I think that given the climate of this country and and especially right now, I would think I would think that Joe Biden would pick an African American candidate if 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 he is even paying if, if his people are even paying attention a little to what's happening in this country. I mean. There's, there's a lot that's happening right now. I just think that, it, it, you know, he always said that he wanted to pick a female candidate. I think if he didn't pick a female candidate of color, I think a lot of people would be like, what? And, and especially, I think, I, I would just think that it would be really odd if he didn't pick uh, an African-American woman. That's just my idea. Well, like, if he picked Elizabeth Warren, I just can't see that happening. I'm hoping that Joe Biden is listening to this conversation right now. Big listener to the Ramana rundown every Friday uh, from his basement in Delaware. And you have to pick, in my humble opinion, a black woman as you've already announced you're going to pick a woman. And it's just the symbolism. Like you benefited from being the white guy that Barack Obama picked. I mean, this, that's the only reason Ramana, that he's in this position is that Barack Obama picked him and elevated him from just being another one of the senators. So, white guys, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, no, I agree, I agree. And I, was, I would think that I mean, like I'm saying, the whole world. I mean, it's some of the stuff that I'm seeing, like even overseas with the whole George Floyd protest. It's like if you're not paying attention, and then this, and there's definitely some people who are acting in a knee jerk way and are making changes that don't even make sense. But this is just something, this is a wake up call for a lot of people. And I think you just, you just need to pay attention. We just can't have one African-American president and that's it. You know, it's, we have to think about these things and it's something that, you know, we're all our workplaces are finally thinking about, even though a lot of us have been talking about that. I just think that it would be a no brainer to pick an African-American candidate. And we have a lot of African qualified African-American candidates out there. Uh, so there's no, yeah, there's uh, there's no excuse for not doing it, and uh, I'd be very disappointed. I still would vote for Biden because, tr- in my opinion, Trump is <laughs> is like 
existential threat to existence and a huge embarrassment. But I would be very disappointed with Joe Biden if if he didn't do that. And just symbolically, the significance of um, making that choice. I'm I'm with you 100% on that. All right. uh, So much I want to talk to you about. I have already... uh, promoted certain topics we're gonna talk about the harper's letter uh, which is a a topic we've not uh, addressed on this show at all and uh but before we do that um you weren't on the show last week so we didn't get an opportunity uh to talk about donald trump's mount rushmore speech which was my opinion a low point uh if such a thing could be possible in the donald trump presidency but i was offended by it on so many levels so many just the health consequences of again promoting an event that could lead to the spread of the virus but then beyond that the themes of his speech what was your reaction and what are your thoughts about yeah uh, I, mean, Trump's? I was I, I was actually working that day so i was working on other stories and but i remember reading like listening snippets on twitter and basically yeah they had this uh, event outside mount rushmore and I don't know. Have you ever been to Mount Rushmore? I've always wanted to go and see it, but someone told me they, they're not as big as you, the, the 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 presidents and their heads aren't as big as you would think it would be. But I've always been interested, and you know, I'm just learning more about Mount Rushmore as you know, as you know, where all these different topics are coming about, and all our you know questions about the statues and all these people that we revered in so long. So anyway, Donald Trump is outside Mount Rushmore and. He is, uh, you know, there's, everybody's out there. I think most people weren't wearing masks. And then he starts, you know, going off and starts talking about the, quote, merciless campaign, you know, that's been been taken out, you know, against all the statues that are, you know, being to- taken down, all the questions that are being raised. And then he just talked about how, you know, he talked about cancel culture. And it's just interesting. He's just, you know, the questions that are coming out about from the George Floyd protests are a good one. And there are questions that people have been talking about for years. And whether or not you agree with the statues actually being torn down, I think it's a good time to leave people for to reflect on, you know, all these individuals and whether they had slaves, whether they're perfect people. I don't think that's anything wrong with that. And it feels like he's trying to you know, tell people who like have like the strong feelings towards, you know, the statues are like, oh, they're taking away our history. So it's definitely like creating this, you know, division that's already there, but he's trying to make it, you know, I think he's trying to appeal to this base who want everything like stuck in the 1950s or, you know, want, you know, want the, want white supremacy. And I don't mean white supremacy in like the KKK sounding way, but they always want, white people to be calling the shots and you know let's face it most of our statues in this country are white people and i think a lot of the questions that people are raised um they're good they're they're, they're good questions um i don't know if i necessarily like i said i was a protester when i was younger i don't know if i was a protester today in the same age i'm old now i don't know how much what my young mindset would think i think <laughs> i know i can say when i was young i was okay with burning the I can tell you that much and I'd have arguments with my friends. So I don't know. I don't know if I, but I'm just saying, I don't know, like at my age, if I was a protester, but I'm old now. So I don't know if I'd necessarily um, tear down the statue, but I do think a lot of the statues that we have aren't necessarily good things that we have or aren't necessarily dedicated to people who are honorable. So 
I'm okay with the Civil War statues going down. I can tell you that much. All right. Uh, first of all, Romana is not old. Okay. If Romana's old, then I'm ancient. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just going to. I'm gonna older. Cr- older than Dennis. Okay. <laughs> Well, all right. Yes. Okay. You're older than a millennial. Uh, and, uh, but no, I, it's funny you should say that uh, when the young radical Romana uh, would have, had, the, not that she ever burnt the flag. She didn't say that, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I never burned the flag. I never burned the flag. But, you know, I was okay with it. Here, here's the inconsistency of Donald Trump and his followers. Again, I always say this, Romana. There's no principles on the right. There's just tactics. So Donald Trump has advocated that anybody who burns the American flag should be imprisoned, that there should be a law against burning the American flag, and uh, it's such a violation of like the sy- symbolic importance of the flag. It's such a violation of everything our country stands for that you there should be a law against it and you could be sent to jail for it. At the same time, The Supreme Court just ruled in uh, the contraceptives case, as I call it, that you're allowed to discriminate if your religious beliefs tell you to discriminate. So essentially, and Donald Trump's applauding that that ruling. So Mm -hmm. essentially, they declare that if you have religious convictions... You should be allowed uh, to say whatever you want, do whatever you want to do, because your religious convictions tell you that that's your conscience. So I'm sorry, my religious convictions won't enable me to sell a cake uh, to a gay man for his wedding. My religious convictions, my religious convictions won't allow me uh, to dispense contraceptives as part of my uh, insurance plan but somehow or other you can't have a religious conviction that says my religion says i must burn the flag it's part of my religion it's like this is what we do we get up we pray and we burn the flag it's such <laughs> yeah, freaking I mean, hypocrisy if, well what if you're a satanist then then what i mean then you know there are people who are satanists and they're not necessarily people who are because i've read about satanists like i would automatically think they're people who are like you know really insane but there there's some people who are actually sane people and they're they're they, they're say this they're satanists what if they say that i wake up every day and i want to worship the devil and then burn a couple american flags what if that's a religion and and honestly when it comes to when the supreme court makes rulings about that it is basically talking about christianity if i say something about me as a muslim like i believe in you know i want to pray five times a day which i do and 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 i and i want to have the call to prayer you know blasted outside at a mosque then all these people would be like wait you can't do that but i'll be like that's my religious conviction but then they'd be like oh well you guys are trying to impose sharia law it's, it's, it's pronounced sharia but you know what i mean they always bring up how we're trying to impose like you know islamic law onto the united states so it really depends on, you know, if, if this was involving a Muslim person, then there would be, the Supreme Court wouldn't even get involved. They're just, they, they would just say that, no, you guys are, you can't do this. And then they talk about separation of, uh, you know, of, of uh, church and state. That always comes up whenever, you know, there's a religion that's not part of the Judeo-Christian, you know, ideology. So I'm just saying it just depends on whose religion it is, really, who gets, uh, who gets you know, a pass. 
that I mean, I'm just saying that's just the way it's been. And you know, I know Salman Rushdie was one of the guys who signed the Atlanta um, the piece in Harper's, and uh, he like you know he had a fatwa against him when he wrote a book that was offensive to many Muslims, and a lot of people spoke out about against that. And then I think maybe a year or two later, Sinead O'Connor ripped a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live, and she was you know everybody was on one hand. They were like applauding Salman Rushdie. He became this name that a lot of like white people love. You know, they're like, oh, he's like, you know, represent represents like freedom of the press, and that's fine, or freedom like a thought and writing, that's fine. But then Shane O'Connor, because she was saying something against the you know the Catholic Church, she was pretty much banned. Yeah. I mean, she was booed and went. So it just depends on you know what religion is being, you know, talked about, I think. I think there's just a double standard. For 10 trivia points, name the book that Rushdie wrote that got him in trouble. Go. Satanic Verses. That's correct. That is correct. Good job on that one. Now, did you ever read it? No, I didn't. I've always wanted, like, one of my friends, uh, you know, he grew up in the Muslim faith, was telling me to read it. I'm like, no, I don't want to read it. Because I read one of his books. I read Midnight's Children. I mean, he's a good writer, but he's definitely like overrated, I think, in the Western world because of what happened to him. So he's like put on this pedestal. A lot of South Asians. I mean, I'm not just saying. I mean, I'm not saying that he's like terrible, but he's he's not the best writer I've, I've well, seen out there. Actually, I'll put it to you this way: we're now on a tangent within a tangent. That Midnight <laughs> Children is a great book. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care anything about a political. Uh, I thought I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. Wow, she's tough. <laughs> my husband made, my husband she... recommended I No, really, I read it with the open mind and I was Wait, like, Wait, did oh, you read it before or after uh Satanic Verses came out? Satanic Verses came out when I was in high school. So Oh my god, you're so I... Oh, Miss I'm old. I was already like with paying mortgages, okay, when that came out. All right, enough of me being no, old. No, no, I mean he's well, then, and then he treated uh, Bosma Lakshmi very bad in their marriage. So then, you know, gave us more ammunition to be like, oh, he's annoying. Yeah, all right. Let's so. just let's throw him under the bus, too. All right. Let's talk about the Harper's Letter. Why don't you just give people a little background on what the Harper's Letter is, uh, and then we'll have a, bit, a, a little discussion on it. So the Harper's Letter came out, I, I think, this week, and it basically was a letter written about, um, they touched upon cancel culture and how a, a lot of people are stifling, you know, voices. And this is obviously voices on the right, because, you know, I, I think it was a response to a lot of people saying, well, I don't like this, like, op-ed. And so it's re- in response to what's happening in this cult- country culturally. Now, it was signed by maybe 100 to 150 literary figures, and Salman Rushdie was one of them. Gloria Steinem was on there, Noam Chomsky. Uh, there's uh, Witten Marcellus. I know one of the Marcellus brothers like uh, was on there. There's just a lot of people who are, you know, you would recognize their names. And there's, there's definitely people on there. There's, there are some South Asians on there, uh, more than Salman Rushdie. There were some South Asians and or Muslims on there because I follow some of these individuals. I don't necessarily agree with everything they say. So I think a lot of people have this reaction. A lot of people were, I personally, like, I agree with that. Nobody should be stifling, you know, people's voices or voices of dissent. That's fine. But the thing is, I felt like the letter was tone deaf in the way that it is being presented now. Now that the marginal of the voices of marginalized people are out there, they put this letter out now. Now, and, and I'll explain to you in this way. You know, there was always people canceling certain people 
at that, you know, but traditionally it's always been a group of, you know, people in higher positions. It's white people who are making the decisions who are canceled. So now that the, you know, marginalized voices are the ones doing the canceling, it's bothering a lot of people. Let's face it. And a lot of these people who are literally literary greats, they're all, you know, they're all like in these positions where, you know, nothing's going to happen at this. I mean, okay, maybe some monitors might get another death threat, but a lot of these people are established and they're part of the elite at this point. So it's very easy for them, not everybody on there, but it's very easy for them to put out this letter right now. But I, there was always a cancel culture. It was just that it was a different group, but it was a, a certain group of people doing the canceling. For example, I mean, even to this day, like if I had all the qualifications to run for president, I would never be able to run for president. People would cancel me before I even would get into it. They'd be like, well, you're a Muslim. You can't. You know, it's just the way people decide who is canceled and who isn't. And so there has been, you know, a certain group of people. It's been mostly elites who've been canceling people for a long time and decide who gets to be canceled and who doesn't based on what their opinion is. So, you know, there's editorials written even for the paper I work for now that I totally disagree with on many issues when it comes to international issues. And so, you know, if, if anybody spoke out against Israel at one point, they would be called a terrorist. So you'd cancel people who would raise voices against certain things that are politically different. So cancel culture has always been there. It's just a question of who was doing the canceling. And I think a lot of people are threatened now because, you know, Twitter, anybody can go on Twitter. And call people out and that's why and you know one of the things that i think is a lot of these companies are very just disingenuous about um you know changing the language and you know changing different things about their companies now it's i think a lot of people i hate to be cynical but it's only because they don't want to be called out on social media uh it's it's just this thinking like oh no like i'm going to be you know canceled or be described as problematic so now i'm going to change so you know I think we're just at a very important cultural point. I, the letter itself, like if somebody put out that letter, yeah, I agree with, you know, there should be freedom of thought. Of course, nobody should tell someone how to think. But, the, but there, I think all those people should, who signed that letter should think, like, was the timing, did it make sense? And has this is never, people's voices have been stifled for a long time, I think. And it just depends on whose voices you're stifling. All right. I just I want to make a comment about what you said. But first, I just want to say we got a, uh, uh, a message from our dear friend, Frank, a listener, and it was bone spurs. That's correct. Remember I was trying to figure out what it was that Donnie Trump used as an excuse to avoid uh, the draft. Oh, okay. Remember, I, I couldn't remember it was his toe. It was the bone spurs. How could I forget bone spurs? You know, I don't even know what a bone spur is, but got him out of the draft. Um, all right, going back to the letter, uh, I agree with a lot of the things you were saying, but I'm going to defend one of the signers. Okay, here we go. I'm going to defend, and you can guess which one I'm going to defend. The lefty, Noam Chomsky. Oh, Noam I, Chomsky. I, I've always yeah, With Noam, I just want to say Noam Chomsky has always been a proponent of free speech, and he has championed some of the most bizarre uh, <laughs> thinkers in the world, and irritated the hell out of me. Holocaust deniers, but that's where Noam Chomsky comes from, and he can handle it. I've seen Noam Chomsky debate. Uh, conservatives i've seen him you know he's a big critic of israel i've seen him debate alan dershowitz uh i've seen him debate uh what's his name william 
the old the guy blanking on his name. I could see Buckley, William Buckley. And uh, in my opinion, he makes mincemeat of everybody he debates because he's so freaking smart. And then they get mad and they threaten no, to punch no. him. But so when I, you know, <laughs> I know they always threaten, Buckley threatened to punch him. Dershowitz lost his mind. Uh, and so there is a general principle advocating free speech uh, and allowing the chips to fall where they made that some of those uh, signers like Noam Chomsky, I'm just defending a few I'm defending my oh, beloved Noam Chomsky. That's what I'm doing. There's 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 some people on there that I, I respect. I mean, I'm not gonna I, I I'm not gonna quote unquote cancel them, but I was just like, well, you know, people are disappointed. I mean, there's a lot of talk on like, oh, never, you know, I mean, people are just kind of like, oh, but I mean, he has a right to do it. Like, I'm not gonna like cancel some people who are on there. There's, you know, some people probably think that certain people should be canceled because they wrote it, but I didn't agree with it, but. You're not, I'm not going to agree with everything. I, I may like someone, but I may not agree with everything that they say. Um, and it's also, you know, that happens with people you hate, too. You might hate, or I, I know you don't like to say you hate anybody. Someone you dislike, you might agree with some of the things they have to say. So I, I'm very open-minded to it. I mean, you can, you can, when you ask Mick, I don't agree with a lot of things that he has to say, or I don't have the same taste as he does, and I'm like, nah, I disagree with you, or so, you know. You could like someone or love someone and just have a difference of opinion. Wait, Romana, are you? A, did I detect that you're a closet Noam Chomsky lover? Did I detect that? Well, so some people have given me his essays when it comes to international relations in the Middle East, and I've always like you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I don't read him or don't find him, you know, fascinating or haven't agreed with things he has to say. I, I know. Uh, are you shocked that I actually read things? Well, people, but- <laughs> people. Uh, don't like to acknowledge that they like Chomsky. Uh, and I, I, you know, went through many phases where <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to admit this. I'd be watching his YouTube stuff. I just found him fascinating. Uh, his brilliance. And even if I disagree with what he was saying, his command, like the ability he has just to command so much information and knowledge and to relate it. And he relates it in this monotone voice that, People find a lot of people find boring. Uh, I remember talking to Karen yeah, Lewis about this. Yeah, he's very like she finds him boring. But I just like man, the guy is brilliant. He's freaking brilliant. If you listen, if you just follow him along, it's like, anyway. When he when I saw he signed the list, like I'm not surprised Chomsky signed that list. That's you. You, that's, could, you could be boring and smart. I mean, yes. people are boring and smart. I don't even think Noam Chomsky's boring. I'm a big fan of Noam Chomsky. I admit it. Uh, all right, let's move on from my love for Noam Chomsky and close it with Romana's recommendations. And uh, I have a re- recommendation I want to make, but let's start with yours. Well, I did watch Uncut Gems, which I know you recommended, and I watched Unorthodox, which you watched too. So um, th- those are both pretty interesting, and they centered on you know some of the Jewish community, which I thought was fascinating to me. It was interesting. So I like both of those. Um, I just finished the Epstein documentary on Netflix, the four-part documentary, and you were just talking about Alan Dershowitz. Speaking of, he is uh, mentioned in the documentary. Um, It's a very disturbing documentary, so I don't want to say I'm necessarily saying it's a fun one, but it's for anybody who keeps up with the news, and you know, um, God, why am I forgetting Epstein's first name? Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend and the woman who enabled him, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, was arrested just a few days ago. And she's currently uh, given, like, paper 
gowns in her jail so she doesn't commit suicide. That's what they say. And I think she contracted COVID. Anyway, a friend of mine, I have like, as I told you before, I have six or seven different chat groups going on during this coronavirus where we all talk and talk about shows you're watching. And one of my friends was like, oh, you got to watch it. She was telling me and my younger sister. And I was like, well, I know all about it. Do I really want to watch this? But she's like, no, you've got to watch it. So it was very, it, it's actually very sad and it makes you angry. But this is similar to the R. Kelly mini docuseries in that you get to hear from the victims. And just listening to these women, it's just so devastating. And the fact that people let this happen, it's got running. So I do think it's very interesting to watch and how, you know, powerful people do get away with a lot of things. And then, you know, it made me all angry again, just watching how um, Jeffrey Epstein was able to get away with the initial you know, charge that he was, you know, they basically lowered the charges against him and there was a deal made. And and I remember you were t- telling me, I know this is completely different, but the Jesse Smollett case, and I'm not saying that, you know, the allegations against, you know, both men are completely different, but it was similar because I didn't know, like, the court hearing that they had with Jeffrey Epstein, these reporters were told last minute and Jeffrey Epstein signing something in a corner and then it was over and he had this like deal, sweet deal. That, and then you have all these legal experts on this documentary talking about how they've never seen something like this happen. And it was just, it, it was just really interesting. It's a very disturbing documentary, but I think it's very, it's very poignant and very relevant to things that are happening in the world and how a lot of, you know, people do get away with things and just these powerful people that would kind of hang out with them. It's just, um, it's like mind boggling that this this happened and you feel so terrible. And, you know, a lot of these, some of the victims would be young women. They're all from, a lot of them were from West Palm beach. Um, I didn't know this, but Palm beach is the rich area and the West Palm beach area is where, you know, a lot of these working class families live. So they targeted these young women. Some of these women were very troubled, um, didn't have a lot of money. So, and then, you know, they would find a young woman and then they'd be like, Oh, do you have a sister? And then, you know, it'd be like families would get, you know, they were families of victims. And it's just, you know, they have some of these women and they've gone on to do some amazing things. And so it was interesting. It's to a watch. Netflix uh, documentary, correct? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's only four parts. So it's, I, I think you'd be interested in watching that. So I was going to say, if anybody wants to watch something that's kind of relevant to the news right now, I would watch that. And I'm sure, I'm, I know you're going to talk about a book. I'm reading The Haunting of Hill House right now. By Shirley Jackson, they have Damon and Netflix series on that. So after I read the book, I'm going to watch the series on that to see if it's good. Um, but no, you can I, talk about your. I I, uh, I, I, sh- I have a obsession with Epstein. I haven't we haven't done an Epstein show in a while. Uh, I'll probably bring uh, Leonard Goodman back for that. Uh, but there's a story in the paper the other day about uh, Deutsche Bank and their uh, their operations with Epstein. They had to pay a fine, uh, and they were admitting that they were wrong. And you read the story. And the Epstein, Epstein's tentacles went so many different places. Two presidents, Clinton and Trump, Prince Andrew, Deutsche Bank. Oh. Uh, you know, a lot of secrets they thought were going to die with Epstein. And I don't think they will die with Epstein. I think the prosecution of Maxwell may bring some of them out. So I really think it's important, uh, important for our, really our country to come face to face with this. We, you talk about coming face to face with the past, you know, our slavery past, etc. How about coming face to face with the corruption of power and how powerful people are protected by our system? 
We see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, Michael Cohen just got thrown back in jail. Donald Trump doesn't have to release his taxes. How how is this fair? And so uh, I definitely will. I'll probably as as difficult it'll be to watch. I'll probably watch it. We'll probably have a special show on it. Uh, I just read uh, Vanishing Half. It's a new novel uh, by Britt Bennett. I can't recommend it enough. I know uh, I've sent you a link to, um, commanding you to watch it, uh, to read it. Yeah, we'll read it. Well, you might have to give me the book at some point. I don't know if I'm going to order it, but I'm going to say we, we should have a book club. We should have a book no club. Noam Chomsky in this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, okay, I just want to clarify something about Noam Chomsky. This is a little embarrassing. I'm not a big fan of Noam Chomsky's writings. I find them ponderous and very difficult to, to read and can't get through paragraphs yeah i, don't I, I love Noam chomsky talking that's what i with those youtube anyway i got my issues but the, the book the book sounds fascinating i did read about it too and I, I i will try to you know my husband is a very is very good about buying books i, I let him buy the books and i read them he, he has an extensive library he's very well read so i'll recommend it to him and then he'll buy it no it's really good go get it i just purchased it i read it in three nights all right uh and finally i forgot that you recommended this it's a funny Ramana recommended a TV show to me months ago. I forgot that she recommended it to me, and my wife remembered it. She remembered that she, she, Pam. Somebody remember, listened to me. Yeah. No. <laughs> so we watched Dead to Me, the two first two. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Who recommended it? She goes, Ramana recommended it. I go, no, no, she it wasn't Ramana. So I texted her, yeah, Rebecca. Good recommendation, Ramana. I love the first two episodes. Dead to Me. Yeah. I told you, I think you like to chick flick it's not really chick flick but i think you like shows that are involving like you know it's like women will watch these shows and men won't and i think you will because you're open-minded and you watch thank you thank you but yes i uh, really love this show so good yeah uh, i did too i was surprised dead it's to fun me. yeah it's a lot of fun hey romana we have over uh, 500,000 downloads all right there's plenty of people that listen to you oh yes Good. Okay, good. Eric Zorn is a big fan okay. of the Ramana Rundown. Oh, yeah, he, actually, he actually, he actually yeah, is. He yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. Eric Zorn's a big fan. He says he listens to Ramana Rundown every uh, every chance he gets. All right, Ramana, stay safe, stay sound, uh, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week. That's the great Ramana Hussein, editor, columnist for the Chicago Sun Times, and she was on a riff, man, doing talking about that Harper's letter. She's going to town. Uh, if I can make a recommendation. Oh, go right ahead. Dennis recommendation. Yes, I recommend that all of you download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Yeah, it's good times. Uh, also, uh, we have, oh, let me run the lineup down here. Uh, Saturday, the big feller, the big boomy <laughs> voice man. Turn that bass down when you listen to it, all right? We don't want to blow your speakers out. Micah Utrecht of Jacob Ben Magazine. Uh, he's going to be talking with Ben uh, after today's show. We're going to record it. And we're going to post that tomorrow by 5 a.m. on Sunday. Her name is Meredith Shiner. She knows a lot about national politics, and she's going to be. Uh, we talked with her yesterday. It's a very good interview. Go check that out on Monday. Our good friend Samina Mustafa returned and talked with Benny J. And on Tuesday, yes, reunited, and it feels so good. The husband. Of our guest that was just on. Yeah. It's Mick Dumkey of ProPublica. He's going to be joining us for our Tuesday bonus interview. That's right. No show on Tuesday, but do not worry. We 
got something for you to download. So live streamers, you got to go download it. Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Go subscribe. Give us a review. Five stars only. <laughs> Send us a message. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Also on Instagram at Benny J Show. You can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Leave us a message, your thoughts. And yes, we have a phone number. Uh, it's a 708 number, 708-658-4788. That number again, <laughs> seven zero. I just missed the radio day sometimes, guys. That number again, 708-658-4788. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, we have an update before we roll out of here. Ben, have you heard the latest on Goya Foods? No, I not at all. Well, are you familiar with Goya Foods? Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah what about it? I've yeah. had it too, and it's delicious food. But I'm changing my mind now. Goya Foods, whose products are a staple of American households, became the target of a boycott and considerable backlash on Friday today after its leader praised President Trump during a visit to the White House. This feller named Bob Unayu. Yuna knew. I don't know. He's the president of Goya Foods. He was at the White House on Thursday to announce that the company would donate 1 million cans of chickpeas and another 1 million pounds of food to food banks in the United States as part of the Hispanic Prosperity Initiative, an executive order from President Trump that was created to improve access to educational and economic opportunities. During this appearance, uh, the president uh, the president of Goya Foods said that the United States president was was blessed. Well, I'm sorry. I completely butchered that. This president from Goya Foods said that he was, quote, blessed to have Mr. Trump as its leader. He said, quote, we're all truly blessed at the same time to have a leader like President Trump, who is a builder. And so we have an incredible builder and we pray. We pray for our leadership, our president, and we pray for our country that we will continue to prosper and to grow. Your thoughts, Ben? Well, he has a First Amendment protection, protected right to say what he wants, and the consumers of America have a First Amendment protected right to let him know what they think about that. Enough. Enough. Uh, shout out to Michael Girardi with a, a late win on the live stream chat at the buzzer. Michael Girardi says, uh, Goya is short for Goya F yourself, buddy. <laughs> he didn't say F. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty funny. That is good. Check out Michael Girardi's work, by the way. We can't thank this dude enough. He made songs specifically for the Ben Jarofsky show. Girardi, G-E-R-A-R-D-I at uh, Bandcamp. Just put in Girardi Bandcamp and you will find uh, songs like tax increment financing like you know it's a ben jarofsky show exclusive with a song uh titled that uh a new low bailout editorial board so many songs uh michael i know you're a busy guy and you probably have a full-time job but hey what song's next make another one for us huh that'd be awesome but seriously take your time and uh a suggestion that we have uh no congregating would be an excellent <laughs> yeah, song. No congregating. move along hey come on hey are you congregating get in there <laughs> Next to Cohen. <laughs> All right. So before we go here, uh, shout out once again to our dear friend, Frank. He sent us something on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. You can do the same at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Uh, after the CEO of Goya Foods praised Trump, our good friend. We haven't heard from this feller in a while. I'm glad to see him. I'm glad to hear him. I'm glad to know he's doing okay. He was a guest on our show 
during the radio days, Louis Gutierrez. Mm. Yeah, we have uh, some audio here from Louis Gutierrez. Wow. He says he's mad about the Goya president. Let's hear from Louis. This is a video of my pantry filled with Goya products. I say to the owners of Goya, you came as conquistadores. You wiped out our indigenous population in Puerto Rico. You exploited the Puerto Ricans for centuries under your colonialism. And now you wish to bring about more of Donald Trump, who hates us, despised us, and has treated the Puerto Rican people with such cruelty. No more Goya. Boycott Goya. I will never buy another product of yours again. Damn, we got to get Luis Gutierrez back on this we show. Thank you, do. Frank. Uh, yeah, he hasn't been on in a while. He used to come on all the time. I've known him forever, and we've been bannering and bickering for years. But, yeah, Luis speaking from his heart there. No and kidding. You could tell he was very passionate there. Yeah, Louis, speaking from his heart. If only you knew Michael Girardi. He had a good line for you he could have used on that video. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, and just... I'm, 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 I, you know what? I'm not going to say anything about Goya right now. I got to read the stories and digest this thing. You know, sometimes good. You know what I'm saying, Dave? Yeah. Just to read the story. I feel you. Uh, I got one box of rice of Goya in my cabinet, and I'm debating whether or not to throw that sucker out now. Yeah. All but, right. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's. We wish all of you have a great weekend. Once again, Tuesday, no live show, but we do have something available for you to download. So make sure you go download that. Tell your friends. And uh, yeah, that's it. Man. All right. And by the way, there's some, uh, this was a great week, if I must say, so far. Our show, we had some really delightful interviews. So if you haven't heard the Maze Jackson interview. Oh, hell yeah. Check that one out because I wasn't part of the live show. Uh, we uh, interviewed Mays uh, on Wednesday afternoon and dropped it Wednesday night. So you want to check that one out. And Monroe was on fire and he's so happy. He was vindicated. Well, not re- I mean, he was. He got it right. He got it, it was seven to two. The Supremes ruled against Donnie, but somehow or other, Donnie doesn't have to release his taxes. Isn't yeah. that interesting? That was an incredible interview with Mays Jackson. Seriously, guys, go uh, go check it out. Uh, yeah, they may disagree on things, but you can tell they get along. Ben Jarofsky <laughs> and Mays Jackson. It's both uh, available yeah. at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you know. Yeah, we've, known, is. we've known each other a long time. All right. Uh, very good. I want to thank Romana Hussein. Uh, she did an outstanding job, uh, as she always does. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend. Right, Joy Ball. Without him, this show would be possible. And as Romana Hussein and Mays Jackson and Luis Gutierrez and Tammy Duckworth and Mick I've Duffy, never met her in my life, Tammy we'll Duckworth. I'll tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. Doobie. <laughs> Give yourself a raise. <laughs> Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. <sighs>
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.